Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. Praise the Lord. Go ahead. Don't uh, ushers, go ahead and uh, we can pass those to the right or just get those to the uh, receptacles any way you can. But don't get up and walk around at this time because uh, I kind of don't want to interrupt the flow here. Sounds sufficiently charismatic. Um, I can go ahead and dismiss the children, or you can stay in here. What do you think, teachers? Just, I, that's, huh? You, how about you just stay? All right, it's not going to be long. I don't think it's going to be long. Um, just, uh, you're frowning at me. What? Did I forget something? You're just like, what are you doing? Uh, I had, uh, it, we're still in this Holy Spirit series, and uh, I've got at least one more message on chapter 14, as I mentioned last week, possibly to uh, some more stuff about tongues specifically, and, uh, and then probably one or two messages, you know, beyond chapter 14, because again, this isn't, as you know, as I've said from the beginning, and as you're aware if you've been here, this isn't, hasn't been a series just on the gifts of the Spirit, but on the Holy Spirit. Um. But when I, uh, several times through the week, I mean, even though I knew where I was going, even though I had an outline, when I, when I sat down to write the sermon out, I just, nothing was coming, nothing was coming. And finally, uh, last night, I just kind of, uh, well, not kind of, I mean, the Lord began to stir some things up in me about going a different direction. And we already interrupted it a couple times for the, the, the series, for the two messages on baptism, and then we did one message on the Holy Spirit last week, and now we're interrupting it again, but that's okay, <laughs> all right? We're not going to forget where we are, and it's more important to obey God. But there were some things rolling around in my mind, and uh, it was just very much confirmed by the word that Mike brought forth about loving one another, a simple word, a straightforward word, but, but also a challenging one. And then the, uh, again, by what Emily shared with us about knowing, you know, this is a truth we sing, it's easier to sing when we're celebrating its manifestation in our lives. But it's true no matter what we're experiencing manifestly, right? God is good. And it's important, again, not just to sing of the goodness of God, but to say, I will sing of the goodness of God. He is my refuge. Therefore, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. It really does matter what we say, right? So... Let me uh, consult the few notes I actually have here. And uh, ask you this. Do you know what your purpose in life is? I'm going to be very careful. I'm not going to name any names. I don't want to drop any clues or anything. And I'm, I'm going to stick pretty much just to some simple notes and a couple scriptures. But I have had conversations with believers, uh, even in uh, recent days and weeks, about how, um, at least in their mind, there's no question of being saved, um, proclaiming or con you know, confessing Christ as Savior. 
but not being bothered by their own decisions that they know are not God-honoring. And part of it is a complete lack of a sense of purpose. If we go through life, and, and Christians are not immune to this. Uh, every, you, should, you should know this very well. Christians are not immune to slipping into this mode of God wants me happy. And perhaps charismatics and word of faith people in particular can be even more uh, susceptible to this because, hey, God wants us happy. God wants us, he wants us healed. He wants us prospering. I believe all of those things. But that's not our purpose as believers, is it? To be as happy as we can be, to be as healthy as we can be, to be as rich as we can be. These are all blessings God has promised, but he's promised them for a reason, for his purposes. And, you, know, you can do the, uh, is it the Westminster Confession? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Uh, but we can break that down even more. And I think if you would answer the question biblically, what is the purpose of a Christian's life, the very first thing that comes to mind for me is to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. We should be conformed to his image. We should be coming like him. We should be becoming like him. You know, we spent weeks, we spent 10 weeks studying the Holy Spirit. Uh, but part of that, part of what we were looking at, especially earlier, was to talk about, number one, the power to be his witnesses and to be guided, to be led by the Spirit. And these are, this is the kind of stuff that I'm kind of wheeling back around to. Uh, if we are to be made in the image of Christ, we need to know what Jesus is like. Therefore, we need, first of all, to read the Gospels. What were, what were his priorities? His whole life was dedicated to preaching the gospel of the kingdom. His whole mission was to die for our sins and rise from the dead in victory over sin and to give us that victory. But he lived his life on earth during his earthly ministry as a servant of the people, as a servant to God. And yes, he spoke with authority, but the miracles he did, he did to meet the needs of the people. And the sermons he preached, he did to elevate the people, to open their eyes to the kingdom of God. He wasn't seeking his own comfort, wasn't seeking his own happiness. There's a, uh, there are things that... obviously distract us. We live in a in an age where there are hundreds of things, hundreds of more things today than there, than there were uh, 40 or even 20 or even 10 years ago that are competing for our attention and for our money and our precious time. And it's very, very easy, unfortunately, to become numb. And uh, there's so many voices out there. And so again, so many opportunities. Uh, it's, that it would, it's very easy to be ruled by our appetites. I'm not talking just about our appetite for food, but our appetite for so many things, and in many cases those things are sinful. Not always. Sometimes they're just a distraction, and therefore they become sinful. You know, Paul said, not just to lay aside every sin, but every weight, right? Anything that encumbers us in, our, in the race that we're running for Christ. But if we have a purpose be more single-minded. Not that we can't enjoy other things along the way, but we should be doing them along the way. 
as we are walking in a particular direction to become like Jesus and to be about what he was about, which again is the gospel of the kingdom. And let me uh, kind of throw this in here. Uh, in case you missed the news, Queen Elizabeth died a few days ago. And it really is, has been a weird moment for the world because, uh, and I agree, you know, it's, it's something that's worth paying attention to. She was queen when my parents were children. She's the only queen uh, millions and millions and millions of people have ever known. Only Queen of England people have ever known. And so people are talking about now it's a different world. The world has been the same for 70 years while Elizabeth was queen, and now she's not. But how really, how in, in, practically, in, in practical terms, how, has that, how is that going to change the world? It's, it's not going to change my day-to-day -day life or yours. And I'm not saying that to diminish her death. Uh, it's, it is really something. It's worth, it, it is a notable event, and it's, and it's worth paying attention to. But it's not going to change much in terms of the day-to-day -day operation of the world, unlike something that happened 21 years ago today. That changed the world. 9-11. If you're old enough to remember that day at all, you remember exactly where you were when you heard this thing, when you saw uh, the news. Uh, I was, it was the most stunning thing I had ever seen. It was really one of those things where, I know speaking for me, but I know I'm speaking for many of you, when I woke up the next day, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh, this really happened yesterday. And you knew in your gut, before anything else had happened, you knew this wasn't just some horrible thing that happened in New York City and Washington, D.C. This was something that, that was going to change the world, and it did, all right? We know that. It's, it's made things, it's in terms of surveillance, in terms of security, in terms of travel, uh, in terms of uh, identification, and not to mention the wars that grew out of that. Uh, that it, everything is different. But we truly, especially when this day rolls around, we really focus on remembering the tragedy of that attack. And we think about so many lives Nearly 3,000 lives in a matter of hours snuffed out by this evil act. But I want you to get some perspective. And we've talked about this before. I remember a guy at work who is not, uh, he's a good guy, but he was not at least at the time a, a, a confessing believer. Not sure he is now, but he wasn't then, but he was, a, you know, was kind of a good old boy. But he knew I was. And uh, he, his uh, grandfather, I think it was his grand, grandfather, was very, very sick, uh, close to death at about this time. And he ended up recovering in the hospital. And this guy said that, his, that, that uh, an angel came to his grandfather and said, you were going to die, but heaven is going to be too busy to receive you. Because of, some, because of what's happened in, in New York City, so you're going to live instead. That, that was the crux of it. In other words, we don't have room. We don't, this is got too many people dying at once, all these souls to take care of, so you're granted a reprieve. Well, there's something sick about that in, in, in more ways than one. But 
I just want to point out that something like 180,000 people die every day. Yes, it was a tragedy. And I am not taking anything away from the incredible sense of loss that so many families experienced that day and continue to experience because of something that happened like that. But, and here's a happy thought, here's something that will keep you warm at night. <laughs> right now, thousands upon thousands of people across the country, around the world, are having the worst day of their life. Isn't that something to feel good about? It's just true. Someone has just lost a loved one. 120 people a minute. And some of these, we see them coming. They waste away to a disease. Or they just reach the end of their life where you know it's imminent. But many, many tragic accidents, sudden uh, uh, occurrences of death, people being ripped out of our lives, these things happen. And that's 180,000, conservatively, 180,000 souls that step into eternity every single day. I want to read to you thinking about our purpose. Out of Luke 12, beginning in verse 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then... Whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Wesley, I think it was Wesley, once told a uh, huge congregation of ministers, of, of occupational Wesleyan slash Methodist ministers told them very firmly, you have nothing to do but save souls. And if every Christian is a minister, this ultimately is your purpose. This is the thing when thinking about the parable of the rich farmer here. We want to say, ah, yes, I'm serious about God. Of course I want to go to heaven. And yes, I want to be used by God. I want people who are important to me to go to heaven. But I just want to have my life too. Or, and this is more prevalent among especially young people, I just want to enjoy 
this part of my life before I get serious about this God stuff. I have heard young people say that almost verbatim. They're not mad at God. They don't hate God. They would never renounce him. Not, well, I'm going to say never. They're, they're, they're not prepared to renounce him. But they admit they're not sold out, and they just don't want to be yet. And there's a couple huge problems with that. Number one is, as long as you are willing to do one more thing before you get serious about Jesus, the devil, the world, will always provide you one more thing to do. The other problem is this. You can say, look, I'm not talking about going out and committing rank sin. I'm talking about just hanging out, playing games. I just want to make a little money and spend it the way I want. I just want to spend some time driving, spend a lot of time with my friends. I want to have some romance. Uh, I'm not saying I'm never going to get around to it. I just want to spend maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe five years, and God says, you fool! For tonight your life is required of you. And what have you stored up in heaven? Pursuing your appetites, having your fun. Listen, I'm a faith guy. I don't want to speak death over you. All right? I believe God has promised to satisfy us with long life. This is what we ought to stand on. But things like 9-11 happen. The unexpected happens. And it's always going to be a tragedy. But it doesn't have to be as much of a tragedy. You've got an opportunity to see an excellent play here. At least I think it's an excellent play. It's a play based on an excellent person and, uh, and written by an excellent person. Uh, but you guys know the story of Bonhoeffer. Tragic that he died so young. Spoiler. No, you guys know his story. But not so tragic because he died in the midst of fulfilling his mission. There's a... There's a phrase we used to use in the army. In fact, there were a couple books, uh, or at least one book with this title. And the phrase is Charlie Mike. It means continue the mission. Charlie and Mike are the phonetic alphabet words for C and M. Charlie Mike, CM, continue the mission. I'm Charlie Mike. What are you doing? I'm Charlie Mike and I'm continuing the mission. There's nothing wrong with stopping and smelling the roses. There's nothing wrong with, with relationship building and having fun. But it's all pointless unless it is done in the context of Charlie Mikan. We've got to be continuing the mission. You know, even, I loved this illustration. I think I was sharing it with Rainey not long ago, where, uh, you know, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? It's good, good to be married, you know? And, uh, but that word find, you know, there's, there's two ways of looking at that. If I spend all my time, say I've, I've, uh, I'm looking for money on the ground, okay? And I can be walking over here, I'm searching for it, searching for it, and ah, now I rejoice, this is a good thing. I found a quarter, or I found a dollar. Uh, Lisa, does this resonate with you? She's the queen of finding money on the ground, right? And, uh, but you can waste a lot of time looking around for something, uh, and this is not, and you can spend a lot of time looking for a spouse. The best, the, the picture that that word uh, find there is not 
found, uh, I found this after searching for some time as much as it is I encountered it. You know, I have found money on the ground when I wasn't looking for it. I'm just cruising along and, whoa, something catches my eye, and I pick it up, and I keep going. This is the right way to find a spouse. You're on mission. You're going a particular direction, and God brings somebody who's going the same direction, like, hey, going my way, let's go there together. Hey, you find a wife that way, you found a good thing. If you intercept her coming the other way, oh, beautiful, come with me, you might be in for a long haul. Still going my way, baby. Right on. Are you believing for healing? You should be. Because it's something God has provided. But your motivation should be, I am determined to be well and healthy so that I can go everywhere God tells me to go and do everything God tells me to do and, that, and my physical condition is not going to be a limitation. Are you believing for prosperity? You should. The Lord delights in the prosperity of his servants. You know, he delights even more in the prosperity of his children. But you better be believing for prosperity so that you can give to every good work that comes along so that you can obey God when he says, I want you today to go empty this account and send it to this ministry, specifically Living Word Family Church. It's also all the blessings that he has given us have been to equip us to obey him with everything he tells us to do. Back to the military illustration, there's a lot of cool, fun, exciting equipment that those guys get to wear and carry and use and play with even. But what's it for? It's for killing the enemy ultimately. It's for continuing the mission, keeping you alive on the battlefield. Let me read this. Out of 1 Corinthians uh, 5, I think. What scripture did I give you? Or I didn't give you that one, did I? I don't think I got the whole thing copied here, so let me turn there. start in 17. Yeah, because we know this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise and worship team, come up here. The rest of you can stand or remain seating. Remain seated, sitting. 
they've got a couple of invitations for you. And they go back to the word that Mike brought forth, the word that Emily brought forth, this message. You can wonder, how can somebody... I've said this about more than one person. And I don't say it to be mean or disparaging in any way. It's just an observation. Somebody will say, is so-and-so saved? I'll say, I think they are saved. And only God can truly know the heart, you understand. But it's like, I know this person confesses Christ, but I don't think they love Jesus. Is it possible to be saved and not love Jesus? I think it is. But it's not possible to know Jesus and not love Jesus. Can you be saved and not know Jesus? But I learned this from secondhand, but ultimately from Bob Yanyan. Bob Yanyan taught it to Doug Jones. Doug Jones taught it to me. At least try it on. You know, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not know God, he who does not love, does not know God. Born of God, knows God. Does not know God. Still be born of God. I think salvation, God has made it very, very available to us. The risk there is if we still claim salvation and don't get to know the God who saved us, we'll never fall in love with him. Serving him will always be a chore and a drudgery. And ultimately, you will run the risk of waking up one day and say, do I even believe this anymore? To know him, to truly know him, is to love him. Somebody should write a song called that. If you wonder, well, if God loves me and the things that I'm doing, I'm not sure they're great, but I'm not sure God cares that much. Uh, if it's not glorifying God, and if in fact it's pulling you away from God, God cares a lot. And the reason you might not feel that or sense that is because you've literally spent no, you've given God no opportunity to speak to you about it. Ever think about just asking him, God, does this bother you? Do you want me to stop? Because I'll stop if you want me to. I'll need your help. But if we don't take these things seriously, we are not going, we are not conforming to the image of Christ. We should be getting closer to that every day. And if we're not, then we're not getting any more effective for the kingdom of God. But here's the point. It's not just about you being blessed. It's not just about you making it to heaven. It's about you standing before God and instead of saying, thou fool, your life is required of you tonight. But ha, your life you can't ever consider it cut short if you're serving him wholeheartedly, loving him right up until the moment you go home. doesn't matter if you're 25 or 125. It's going to be the well done, good and faithful servant. 
You're going to be so fulfilled if you're not just enjoying life, but continuing the mission. So at this moment, go ahead and stand up with me if you can. And I just want to ask you, what's holding you back? Is, is something holding you back? Maybe we need to take a minute. First of all, let me do three specific invitations. And then Pastor Mike, if there's some other, something else. Oh, and Roger, you had something too. I'll, I'll share that or let you share it. Uh, I want to ask you this. First of all, are you born again? Have you made Jesus Christ your Lord? Have you said, have you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? If you will confess and believe, you will be saved. The work has been done. There's no more price to be paid, but you yourself have to make the decision to receive Christ as your Lord. Then he becomes your Savior. Does anybody need to do that today? I'm going to invite you to come up here in just a minute. If you are convinced, Scott, I'm not saying I've been the best Christian in the world, but I've never turned my back on him. I've never renounced him. So yeah, short answer is I'm saved. But you're holding something back. Your true God has been some other desire, some other appetite, some other uh, pursuit Maybe you're just now waking up to the fact that this ain't all about you. That maybe one of those 180,000 people that will die today might need to hear the gospel from you. God will put you in circles. He'll put you in relationships where you have influence on a couple people, on a dozen people, maybe on hundreds of people, maybe on thousands of people, but you start in those, your circle of influence. Jesus said earlier there in Luke, if you confess me before men, I'll, con I'll confess you before the angels in heaven, but if you deny me, I'll deny you. Be careful that you're not just confessing him with your mouth and denying him with every other thing about the way you live. This is not just about you. For the millionth time, at least a hundredth time, the world needs to see you sold out. They need to see you serious about the God you say has saved you. So, if you need to reconnect, recommit, rededicate your life, whatever you want to call it, uh, if you've not uh, maybe you've gotten off mission, and you need to get back on mission. Let's do that publicly. Just come up here, and in just a moment, when I make the third invitation, I'll, I'll invite you all to come up at once. Those who need to be saved, those who need to uh, recommit, and finally those who, like, Scott, I've never really lost my desire to walk with Christ. I've never walked away from him, but I'm not walking in power. I'm not seeing the result, it's like I just can't do the things that are in my heart to do. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? This is exactly what Jesus said the Holy Spirit was given for. He will baptize you not many days hence, and you will receive power to be my witnesses. Maybe you've been trying an awful hard to do this on your own, and you were never meant to do it on your own. So if you need to be saved, you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, or you need to reconnect, uh, recommit, rededicate yourself. As soon as I get done praying this, I want you to come up here. 
And then God's going to minister some other things. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your uh, clear communication of our mission, that you've called us to be ambassadors, envoys of the kingdom of heaven, and you've given us a message. Uh, you have reconciled us to yourself, and you've made us agents of reconciliation. Help us to take that seriously, Lord. Uh, I pray now, and I believe it's the prayer of every believer in the sound of my voice, that if there is anybody yet who has not believed, who has not made Jesus Christ their Lord, that you would convict them as only you can, Holy Spirit, that you would make known their need for salvation and grant them the wisdom, the humility, and the desire to come and receive that precious free gift of eternal life today. Likewise, Lord, for anyone in here who needs to Make a, take a concrete moment in time and say, enough is enough, enough time wasted. I'm giving uh, my life back to you, Lord. Thank you for never walking away from me. But I'm, I'm getting back on mission. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.